Hello everyone, and welcome to Kano Ren's Sound of Play 216. Every Wednesday in Sound of Play, we bring you some of our and your favorite pieces from the mini video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the decades. And joining me and Ryan Heyman in Sound of Play 216 is our friend from the Kano Rinse podcast, Carl Moon. Hey, everyone. Wow, it's uh, it's been a while since you've been on Sound of Play. I don't remember the last number of, uh, of show that you've been on, but uh, as with everyone on the team... You are constantly playing new games, listening to new music, and um, I'm interested to to hear what we're getting into. Maybe that'll give some insight into what you've been playing recently. Is that uh, the theme of your selections today? I do have a theme because I am that obnoxious person that, that always tries to come on with a theme. Um, but for the first time, I've not split it into new and old games. Uh, all the games are from 2017 or newer. Um, but the theme that I have for these games is uh, pieces of music that have an immediate effect on placing me somewhere else so give me a sense of escapism and and sort of a sense of peace of mind away from uh, any of my personal situations or work or anything like that yeah i feel like i can play these tracks and be transported somewhere else and i think that's really nice so that's the that's the theme i've gone with this time that's kind of funny because the uh, the first track that we heard coming into this is When the Morning Light Shines In um, by Dan Romer from Far Cry 5, which has a very kind of American folk music feeling to it. And so, you know, I was going to say that, like, it uh, invokes a certain idea of America, but not necessarily one that is entirely contingent with, like, my experience of America. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I live in America, but um, this... This does also kind of transport me to a different place. Uh, it's not just a, not just a UK to America thing. Like it is almost like a time period or 
a, a sense of that kind of like rural off the land feeling um, that uh, that Far Cry Five invokes as well. So uh, whoa, I'm I'm interested in hearing as a non-American, what is your perspective on on this type of music and and what does it kind of you know where does it put you? It's a really peaceful. Now, one of my favorite music genres is folk. I like a lot of variety of music, but I'm really strong about folk. So you absolutely get those feelings. Um, it's nice and peaceful. It does actually sound like a morning ri- uh, raising in. And it's mm. if I was to relate it to another soundtrack, it reminds me of the kind of music that you would get in something like Firewatch. Um, yeah. And I, I just think it's a really melodic, nice piece of music that's really calming to me. Um, it's definitely that sound of uh, America, the wilderness, peace and quiet, which I guess to some degrees is kind of the antithesis of a lot of the, the tone that Far Cry 5 has. Um, and certainly, you know, to a certain degree, maybe uh, America as a whole as it is at the moment. But for me, I, it's just a wonderful piece of music that puts me in a better mood, a better spirit and, and a hope for kind of a, a better peace of mind. And I, I just think it is a really wonderfully soft piece of music by a composer that I wasn't overly familiar with prior to listening to the soundtrack through Far Cry 5. So um, for me, that, that was absolutely fantastic to sort of hear the arts and craft of a composer like Dan Roma. Yeah, this actually reminds me a lot of another game I've been playing recently, which is Where the Water Tastes Like Wine, which is um, I've been playing on PC. It's on the Game Pass for PC service right now. Um, so if you're a Game Pass subscriber, then uh, I would I would highly recommend that one. It's a weird game. Hmm. It's kind of like a mixture between Kentucky Route Zero and 80 Days. It's a game where you play somebody, well, I mean, a walking skeleton as it is shown on the world map uh, just kind of like walking throughout america on this just kind of a like a representation of america as a map like you would see in an atlas but uh, you encounter these little icons which represent stories that are happening in the world and as you get these little kind of like text adventure type of descriptions of what's happening to you and happening around you um you can choose to as you meet characters, tell them about the stories that you've encountered. And then as you continue to walk throughout the world, you hear some of these stories that you've told to other characters come back to you embellished and you get a sense for like how how urban legends spread and how they become embellished in the telling over time and become these kind of culturally ubiquitous stories, you know, many or all um, of the stories within Where the Water Tastes Like Wine um, are stories that I've been familiar with beforehand, like the um, the Leatherman who would wander around Connecticut or the um, Paul uh, Paul Bunyan and his uh, his ox or Johnny Appleseed walking through the country and, and planting planting seeds. Um, but anyways, it's just like, I think one of the interesting things that that game does is that it puts you in the mindset of a, you know, pre-industrial or early industrial America you know, as you are playing just kind of a wanderer with a little bindle on your back and you're encountering other characters who are kind of like stowaways in trains and this kind of just sense of the traditional American vagabond. But there are details in it, like 70s era automobiles. And I think characters might even use cell phones at some point that just kind of gives it like a, like a lost in time feel, a certain timelessness to it. And um, yeah, and so you know, I think that there is a sense of this Americana uh, sounding music and Americana um, aesthetic that that can be appropriate, kind of no matter the time period or the the setting of the game. Like there's, I don't know, there's a certain spirit of it that kind of like bleeds through in both cases of uh, where the water tastes like a wine and uh, Far Cry Five, definitely. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that that's a perfect explanation and description of the style of music and. I feel like this track kind of hides the darker secret of everything that's behind it in Far Cry 5, and it does it kind of wonderfully. Um, When you listen to the soundtrack, it does tell a really good story, um, especially if you're familiar with what Far Cry 5 is, obviously. Um, And and the idea is that this is kind of the misleading dawn um, of the new American day of that title. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just think that it is a really beautiful introduction a sort of a peaceful introduction to what is quite a lot of carnage in that title <laughs> that's uh yeah 
That's a, uh, it's a very beautiful track. I enjoy that. And I think it's a good way to start off the podcast. Listeners, you'll have to excuse me. I'm still fighting a bit of a cold. You'll hear that or have already heard that on the Assassin's Creed 4 episode that we had just recorded right before coming into this one. So, so my voice is going to be a little non-ideal, <laughs> but uh, we'll, we'll make it through together. Anyways, this next track that we're going to play is uh, just about the polar opposite of what we've already heard. Um, this is a piece from the game Pit People, which I have been really enjoying this whole soundtrack lately. Um, it's con- it's composed by Patrick Catani, uh, who I'm not that familiar with by name, but what a what a weird and strange soundtrack. It's it's made by um, the game is made by the Behemoth, which are old Newground devs, I believe. Um, same people who did Castle Crashers and Alien Hominid. And I feel like there's a certain sense of humor and sense of style that the old Newgrounds crew all kind of had that you see in the other games that are produced by people who came from Newgrounds like Super Meat Boy and uh, The Binding of Isaac. And um, I feel like so much of the personality of this game comes through in the soundtrack, which is pretty universally wonderful. Um, this is a very upbeat track. It's it's really wacky. Um, one of my favorite things about the soundtrack is that it has a very strong vocal sensibility to it. There's a lot of vocal samples throughout the soundtrack. And not only that, even the instruments that aren't vocal themselves all kind of behave like vocal samples. Like they all have a certain kind of like, uh, like an organic nature to them. And so I feel like there's a, a very strong through line there that makes it kind of wacky and, and cartoony in a way that, you know, you wouldn't get if you didn't have that kind of strong guiding vision uh, to begin with. Um, this piece is called City Chicks. I think that that, um, that theme is pretty apparent throughout the song as well, because the strange cadence that the the music is played in, I feel like intentionally mimics the clucking of chickens. And um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's very fun. It's very wacky. It's very unique. And um, I, uh, I really like it. I, again, recommend seek out the pit people soundtrack. It's, um, it's very strange. It's very wonderful. Uh, Carl, how did this one strike you? It, it was an enjoyable track from a game that I've never even heard of. Um, mm. And and that's I'm I'm quite familiar with a lot of the titles that do come out. Um, and this one, you know, it was a surprise when I saw it in your track listing. Um, and it's fun. I think it, it it's it's different. And one of the things that I enjoy coming onto this show uh, with you hosting is you'll always throw something in there that feels a little bit left field for me and <laughs> something that I'm not familiar with. And I feel like this is absolutely that track. So yeah, I really enjoyed it. That's interesting that you're not familiar with uh, Pit People because I feel like for me, and I, I assume this is entirely due to me being in Seattle and going to PAX every year, like it felt like like kind of an inevitable force um, because it's been, the behemoth has the same PAX setup every single year in the same location using the same, you know, signs and the same arcade type setup and everything it's right across from the spy party setup which is in the same corner for as long as i've been going to pax um but uh yeah so pit people is something that has been shown for many 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 years um at pax but again like i've never seen anyone talking about it other than at the trade show and so for me like it's kind of like the music that you hear only when you're at Disneyland, like it kind of reminds you of being there. Like this is pit people whenever I would see it, you know, always felt like such a PAX experience and always felt like something that people played in that very specific booth that uh, when I did start to see it being released on Xbox One and PC back in 2018, it was kind of weird. It was like, oh, this is actually something that people can buy. <laughs> yeah, so it was it was definitely something I was aware of, but like I do agree that like I don't feel like it's gotten a strong push outside of it being at PAX. So maybe it is a very kind of locally known <laughs> thing. It might be one of those, you know, those convention warriors that you get. You get a game yeah, that, sh- yeah. that shows really strongly and then it seems to do very little when it leaves. Um, I always think of something like Gang Beasts when I think of something like that, yeah. that everyone mm-hmm. talked about when they played it 
at an expo and then like no one talked about it once it released and again spy party another one of the same um cool games just uh you know games that show really well with a lot of people around um that uh might not necessarily have the marketing budget to uh to go front page on steam or xbo but anyways let's uh we talked around it enough let's listen to city chicks by patrick katani from pit people from the forum this comes from r xanadu or uh R- xanadu i don't know how the proper <laughs> pronunciation of that is from the forum who says for most of the investigation portions of the danganronpa games the music was exciting but never made me feel like a detective working on a mur- murder case despair searching from danganronpa v3 fixes that issue with its smoother and contemplative tone from what I can tell, this is a remix of the Box 15 song from the original Danganronpa game with a film noir flair to it, but don't quote me on that one. Well, too bad we just did quote you on that one. <laughs> so this is Despair Searching, composed by Masafumi Takata from Danganronpa 3, Killing Harmony. Um, I'm a big fan of the Danganronpa games. I uh, I played the first two. I really loved them. I was waiting for the third one to go cheap on the Vita, to pick that up because I, I really like visual novels on the Vita. I feel like that's an excellent way to experience them, but um, it just wasn't getting to the price point that I wanted. And it seemed like the Vita sales were getting uh, uh, farther and farther between. <laughs> so I ended up picking it up on Steam. I haven't played it yet, but I, I bought both that and uh, Steins Gate Elite on the same day. So I'm uh, very eager to get into both of them. Uh, I can't wait to see what's uh, what's next for the consistently entertaining Danganronpa series. Um, Carl, have you ever played any of these games? I'm a big fan of buying the Danganronpa games. Uh, <laughs> I've not necessarily found the time to play them, so I did buy the first two um, on Vita, mm. and I think I own a Danganronpa title on the PS4 as well um, from one of the multitude of sales, because, and it's a lazy purchase because I lost my charging cable for my Vita. 
Yeah, I know. I've since bought another one, but I remember at the time I couldn't find it, so I picked up a copy of a game on the PS4. And I've never gotten around to playing any of them, and it's a shame because they look fantastic, and I do listen to the soundtracks. Um, it's kind of just background music, so I can't really relate them to my experiences of playing the games or necessarily recall any of the tracks in particular, but they are absolutely in my um, cycle of things about 1,800 game tracks. But, um, mm. yeah, there's... there's there's definitely some music in there that I do enjoy. And um, having listened through this track, uh, I do understand what they were saying regarding the sort of the film noir flair. I, I kind of like that. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of noir takes on music. Um, it's one of the reasons that I really like the L.A. Noir soundtrack mm-hmm. because, of the, because of that little flair um, to, to some of that music. Uh, same with Discworld Noir, oddly enough. Who would have thought that was a noir title? It's an entertaining track. I, I do like that take on it. I, I more appreciate that flair that the track's been given than the track itself. I'm actually more of a fan of the music that I've heard from the first two Danganronpa games that I'm probably more familiar with, having listened to them for longer. Um, I don't have V3 in my playlist, so it was new hearing it on this podcast. Uh, it's it's a good track, and I think it would probably be something that grew on me over time. Yeah, well, I would uh, I would definitely recommend playing through the Danganronpa games when you get the chance. I know that, uh, you know, sometimes it we're all pressed for time when we've got so much to play, but yeah. the uh, the writing in these ones, the, the mysteries are very satisfying to solve. I think that uh, I really enjoy mystery visual novels like the Phoenix Wright games, but I uh, do criticize the Phoenix Wright games, even though I love them, for um, for having mysteries that are impossible to solve until new story revelations come out during the trial. And I feel like Danganronpa always balance that really well, that there are going to be surprises that uh, emerge over the course of telling a story, but the mysteries are solvable with the information you have going into the trial. In the Phoenix Wright games, it barely even benefits you to make a prediction, like who you think, because everything changes every step along the way. But like, when you're going into the trials in Danganronpa, like you, you can have a prediction and it can be right. And that's very exciting. <laughs> uh, so anyways, let's listen to Despair Searching from Danganronpa V3 Killing Harmony.
going back now to another game that has again kind of a kind of an Americana feel to it. Uh, maybe it's just those traditional folksy uh, <laughs> woodland type of instruments, but um, yeah, this is a, a a piece from another recent game. Why don't you walk us through River? Yes, yeah, so it did occur to me after I'd picked the tracks that the first two were somewhat similar. Um, I feel like and the first and third have a link as well. So yes, you know. <laughs> uh, but the the reason I chose River is it was a track that stuck out from um, a way out the game that I'd played quite recently back in June with Tony when I went to go and visit. Um, so that's Tony from Sound of Play, uh, and and we played this in time. We we were really enjoying our time with the game, playing it locally. River is such a key part in the story um, relatively early on that I feel is represented in the music. Uh, It starts off quite melodramatic. You're obviously, for anyone who's seen any of the trailers, you're aware that you're on a prison break. Um, And it's a key point in the story where the police start to catch up with you. So it becomes a little bit more frantic. They start taking more risks. There's more danger involved. And I feel like this track tells that story um, in its pacing, um, in its tone and in its uh, instrumentals. And I just think it is a really wonderful piece of music that immediately, um, and it's always one of the things that I look for in music, that it'll pull me back to my experience of that moment. Um, and when games and music come together to combine that, it's a wonderful experience. And River is probably the track from a way out that does that stronger than anything else. Um, I remember the experience. I remember talking through with Tony and having the conversations as we were playing it and wondering uh, where it was going to go and the story arcs and everything that goes with it and pulling me back to those moments where I'm sat next to Tony in front of his TV and we're playing these is just a great memory for me. The track really does capture every moment of that bit of story. Um, I just think it's a really, really clever bit. Um, of composition by Gustav Grefberg and Sam Hulick. Very nice. Let's listen to River from A Way Out.
this next track comes from GingerTastic01 from the forum who says, We'd like to request a track from a more recent game, Planet Alpha. Was hoping that this game would scratch my Another World flashback itch, but it unfortunately comes up a bit short. Some clunky controls and some frustrating design choices take away from some great sci-fi visuals and sound. The track I would like to share is called Skygate, which kicks in in a significant way with the story leaving a lasting impression on me and my opinion of the game. Uh, and that kind of caught my attention because, uh, Carl, I know that you're another uh, Another World fan. So um, <laughs> did this game at all kind of capture your attention when it released? Uh, or, or was it one that, I know that it wasn't like a huge push. It was um, put out by Team 17 uh, last year. Um, but uh, yeah, did uh, this one crop up on your radar at all? I was very much aware of it. As you're rightly aware, it is something that I'm very familiar with. Uh, Another World has represented my online avatar for near enough a decade. Um, and I think that's probably how most people relate my name to the podcast from Twitter. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's something that I looked out for, but it's something that I haven't got around to playing yet. But it is on my radar as something that I would like to play. Uh, I think visually it looks like something... Uh, very appealing to me and I'm always want to support team 17's uh, smaller releases um they're one of the publishers that that do have uh I wouldn't necessarily say indie but they'll definitely put out titles that don't necessarily fit the uh cliched triple a criteria so mm -hmm. it's something that I will be picking up in in the future and judging from the soundtrack and this track that ginger tastic's chosen it sounds like something that I would really enjoy played by an orchestra in front of me. Mm -hmm. I, I think it definitely has those, those the swells that you know you could get lost in, and um, as I've already mentioned for the previous track, kind of an instant recall um, to the game. Although you know we we would have to play that to, to see if that's the case, but it definitely seems like that kind of music. And it's this track is the kind of music that I really enjoy listening to whilst I work. I, I just think it's 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 a lovely piece of music. Yeah, I will say that, um, at least in my experience with it, uh, this track seems to be a pretty significant standout from the rest of the album, which is a lot more kind of like ethereal. Um, yeah. This track is more tune-driven, because I remember having a really hard time choosing a piece of music for the 2018 Year in Review music medley that I made at the end of last year, just because like it's really hard to use ethereal music. Um, so I, I might have uh, might have even settled on this one, but uh, yeah, it's a it's a nice piece. Um, just to give some context for the game for the listeners, Planet Alpha is an indie platformer, um, but it's set in a very fanciful sci-fi world that reminds me a lot of uh, No Man's Sky. So if that kind of very colorful, very imaginative fantasy sci-fi aesthetic hits you in the right place then um yeah check out planet alpha i i have not played it myself so i can't speak for how it plays but um it definitely has a, a strong visual identity anyways this is called skygate by siddhartha barnhun from planet alpha
One of the games that I frequently keep coming back to on Sound of Play, and it's because it caught me by surprise, and I want to make sure that it gets it gets a looking from uh, from everyone else as well, is Sonic Unleashed. Um, I listened to the soundtrack in anticipation of the of the two part Sonic the Hedgehog uh, Sound of Play special. Uh, that I did part one with uh, James Farley from the Computer Game Show, and part two with uh, with Darren Gargett from Kane and Rince. And I was super impressed by the Sonic Unleashed soundtrack. It is all around really beautiful, really magnificent, and um, each of the the themes for the different levels just really kind of like caught me by surprise by like how how memorable, how strong the tunes are, how just beautiful the composition is how how diverse the soundtrack is like i i really can't recommend enough like go listen to the sonic unleashed soundtrack it's really up there with some of my very favorite like video game soundtracks of all time like it's incredible and so you know i i got kind of a curiosity around the game because i remember it not really reviewing that well but in the time since, I've seen a lot of the Sonic community kind of like hold it up as one of the good Sonic games. Uh, you know how that goes. Um, and so when when people were modding stages from Sonic Generations, some of the like first priority stuff was putting in Sonic Unleashed levels into that game. And uh, it, it really interested me. Like, you know, I would watch the playthroughs and the graphics are really nice. I think that the the speed effects look great. If you're familiar with Sonic Generations, it does a lot of that kind of thing of the, the 3D sections where it kind of balances the speed, but it still allows you that 3D navigation. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I was really kind of like getting on board with this game in general. And I always thought like, if the level design is good, if the music is good, it must just be the werehog sections, the sections where uh, Sonic turns into like a werewolf type creature that are dragging the game down. And then I listened to the werehog battle themes on the soundtrack and uh, found out that even the werehog sections has something to like. So um, <laughs> I wanted to bring in one of the werehog battle themes which is a really upbeat swing jazz piece of music which the soundtrack is all over the place but um i was just uh i was just impressed by how fun this piece of music is to listen to and um again to just plug as many times as i can to plug the soundtrack for uh, sonic unleashed go listen to that one it's um it's fantastic and wild and this is a, another piece of very good music off of that soundtrack.
Mr. Ixalite from the forum says, The Ape Escape games are great and single-handedly taught me the merit of adding two giant nubs to my beloved PlayStation <laughs> controller. But a large part of the, this credit goes not just to the ape-catching shenanigans, but to the minigames, which I may have sunk in enough time to eclipse the core campaigns themselves. And shining brightly among those was Galaxy Monkey, the final minigame of the original Ape Escape, which puts you in a, in a UFO and tasks you with blasting away a bizarre menagerie of enemies, including floating pig heads. Uh, it was my first ever exposure to a twin-stick shooter and my first experience with co-op. I spent countless hours blasting through this thing, so it's a good thing that the background music was so dang catchy. In fact, Galaxy Monkey is the first time I remember being put into, a f- into the fabled flow state, <laughs> and the music is surely a huge part of that. Even though it isn't the official credits theme, there's a celebratory feel to it, and it's no accident that it's saved for the final minigame and for the true final boss battle. It's a great capper to the whole experience, to the point that has morphed into some sort of theme song for the entire series in my head. And speaking of sound, anyone wanting to check out the game, go for the European version. It features the same music, but a much cooler and more British version of Spectre. Anyways, this is Galaxy Monkey by Soichi Tarada from Ape Escape. Uh, Carl, remind me, were you on the recent Ape Escape show? I wasn't. Um, Ape Escape was a game that I played uh, at a friend's house when it first came out. Um, I picked up my... I didn't pick up an analog controller. I picked up the DualShock when that launched Mm -hmm. with Gran Turismo and Resident Evil 2. This was kind of... I came to this quite late as a title and it never really clicked with me like it did with other people. But I, I appreciated it. It was fun. But the soundtrack is great. Um, it's a really enjoyable, very PlayStation era soundtrack. Um, so for anyone that was playing the likes of Tekken or Ridge Racer and those kinds of games, it has the same kind of tones in the background music that I really, really appreciate. Um, and it's the kind of soundtrack that when it plays, you smile. Mm. I always find myself smiling along with the music. And this is one of those tracks that absolutely does this. Um, and when I listened to this prior to this recording, genuinely, you couldn't get the smile off my face from the start to the end. And it's not even a game that I have a huge affinity for. So if you're the kind of person that absolutely loves uh, Ape Escape, um, and this might be the first time you've listened to something from it from a long time, um, then I can't see how you can't be smiling along with this too. Right. To reference um, that uh, recent Kane on Rinse issue in which Ape Escape was discussed, just the first Ape Escape game was uh, issue 370. So if you have an interest in the game and it's bizarre monkey catching shenanigans, then you can uh, go back to 370 and listen to thoughts on it there. Anyways, this is Galaxy Monkey by Soichi Tarada from Ape Escape.
So getting back to something a little bit more uh, folksy, kind of like we started off the episode with, um, this is a track from uh, another kind of obscure game, uh, Applejack 2, which is a um, a game from uh, Xbox Live Indie Games, um, back when that was a thing, back when, uh, when indies could kind of self-publish on the platform, and there was kind of a certain... Um, a certain kind of magic to Xblig, yeah. where there were some real gems hidden in there under a lot of, you know, not to be negative, but kind of non-standout games. Uh, but I think the Applejack series was one of the the standouts that people um, ended up really, really enjoying. Um, Carl, were you there during Xblig's kind of high height of uh, of power? Uh, yeah, I mean, I picked up a few games. How could you not when there were, you know, games going up for sale for 80 points, which was, mm-hmm. you know, a, a bargain at the time. Um, it was a matter of great British pence. There was none that necessarily stood out to me, although I know that the first Applejack did get quite a lot of conversation um, on some of the podcasts that I was listening to at the time. Um, and, and that was great. And it felt like one of those games that actually managed to sort of step out above the rest and and I feel like Xblig games were really dependent on word of mouth and mm, Applejack yeah. really caught that and there was people talking about it on my Twitter feed and you know as I mentioned it was mentioned on podcasts and you can't really ask for any more from that for a you know for a, a, an indie game that launched on that platform and that was great so it was always one of the titles I was familiar with um, as I was familiar with Applejack 2 when it came out I didn't pick it up though it's not a game that i actually played um and i listened to this track um as it was linked onto the data sheet prior to this recording and this is a really beautiful track i mentioned earlier on that i do like folk music and it absolutely falls into that category it's none of that swing jazz nonsense this is absolutely (laughs) a wonderful track that whether it's in a video game or not is the kind of music that i am very happy listening to um I think it's absolutely gorgeous, to be honest, and I'm really, really glad that you nominated this because um, if you hadn't, I probably would never have gotten around to listening to this track or any of this soundtrack. And yeah, for me, I think it's a a truly gorgeous piece of music. The version of the song that is within uh, the game is an instrumental cut, but there is a version with vocals on uh, YouTube as well under the composer josh woodward's um personal channel so you can uh, seek that out as well but um yeah it's just a it's a nice piece of music from a game that uh yeah might not uh that might not catch the attention of the mainstream but still has a bit of a cult following so it's thought it'd be nice to plug in here the song called let me talk carol by josh woodward from applejack 2 
one piece of music left to listen to today, but before we do that, we would like to remind everyone to venture over to our forum at canonrinse.com forum, or get in touch with us on Twitter at canonrinse, where you can request your own um, favorite pieces of music for future sounds of play. See, we have other podcasts. We have Canon Rinse on Mondays. We have Playwright on Thursdays. We have Sausage Factory on Fridays, taking you through all sorts of different stages of the video game creation process, from the conceptualization to the development to the release. It's a uh, it's, it's very uh, well-rounded group of shows on the network, I think. Uh, we do also uh, have a Patreon uh, at patreon.com slash if you wish to uh, support our podcasts in a financial sense, then you can do so through there. Otherwise, the word of mouth is uh, extremely um, appreciated. We do always very much enjoy reading the reviews that people write for us. I would like to uh, thank Carl for joining me again today, as well as the community contributors who have submitted pieces of music. Uh, Carl, I guess you're a regular on Sound of Play, so I don't know if plugs are necessarily appropriate, but uh, <laughs> do you want to kind of hype up some of the Canaan Rinse episodes you've been doing recently? Yes, yeah, so um, I've actually just come off doing two in a row, and I'm actually doing the next one. So um, for anyone who can't stand my voice... <laughs> just take a unlucky. little vacation for a while. <laughs> unlucky, because I won three in a row. Tonight, myself and Ryan have both actually recorded an Assassin's Creed game for Assassin's Creed 4, Black Flag, which is quite fitting for this next track. Um, but the previous recording was probably the first one that I've been on in a while, and that was um, Prey. This was my nomination for the year, so I definitely plug listening to that. So that'll be... If you're listening to this, it'll have just been released um, to public. Uh, so I would definitely grab that one because if it's not a game that you're familiar with, you may be surprised by the discussion that's on there. Um, and it it was one of those, it was one of those recordings that I'm sure Ryan's very familiar with that you feed off other people over and over and over, and it just gets really excitable <laughs> when we, when we were discussing it, and it felt like a really good recording. Um, and I feel like any game that you discuss at length and then you want to you know, immediately come off and play it, um, that was one of those recordings. So for me, I would definitely recommend um, the recent recording of Prey that I was on and definitely avoid it if you don't like the sound of my voice. <laughs> All right. Well, um, you mentioned Assassin's Creed 4 in there, um, but you're requesting a track from a newer Assassin's Creed game. So what is it that stands out to you about this one in particular? So this... Lends back to what I said at the start of this recording. Um, I really love pieces of music that can either put me in a certain period of time for me or a location for the game. So the first track from Far Cry 5 put me in a peaceful um, piece of forest in in America and, you know, that I immediately felt like that was it. This track having played Assassin's Creed Origins and, you know, spent a lot of time in that world, it's the sound of Middle Eastern and African instruments and, you know, the building up to the sort of the exaltation there and the music reminds me of coming over a sandbank and seeing the Great Pyramids and, you know, being in awe of the world that's set out in front of you. And this track just really captures that for me. It, it blends the modern synth-heavy Assassin's Creed tones that we've had throughout the franchise with kind of the instruments and the sounds and the feeling of ancient Egypt. And it's such... It should have been such a clash. And yet Sarah Schnacker, the... No, Sarah Schachner, um, the composer, really somehow managed to blend these two alternate styles into something that is really, really listenable and really powerful as a piece of music. Now, Assassin's Creed has always had really strong soundtracks, regardless of whoever's composed them, and it's had a wide range of composers. But I feel like... Assassin's Creed Origins is maybe the most listenable throughout of all the soundtracks for me. Whilst Sans isn't my favourite piece of music in the whole soundtrack, it is the one that really makes me feel like I'm at that period in time, and that is such a key element of the Assassin's Creed franchise. So for a track to be able to do that and place me in 
that period of time, that that scenario and that situation is just absolutely breathtaking for me. Um, and I think it's just the sense of awe that that game um, gives me as a player is matched by this track. And I, I just think it's a wonderful um, kind of a match. And I feel like Origins and Ancient Egypt and the composer are just an absolute match made um, in gaming perfection. I think it's just a really wonderful piece of music. This one has a certain mythic quality to it that I think really shines through strongly. And uh, yeah. I like it. Um, yeah, I don't really have anything else to add to that. So let's uh, let's wrap up by listening to Sands uh, from Assassin's Creed Origins. And we'll see you next week. Uh-huh.